Welcome to What's Next, Hornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. We've got a fascinating and compelling topic for this edition of What's Next, 5G technology. We'll be exploring not only the technology itself, but the wide range of new opportunities it presents for corporate real estate organizations. With us today are three executives from 5G LLC. First, we have Matt Davis, CEO. Matt, thanks for joining this podcast. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure. We have Jason Lind, Vice Chairman. Jason, thank you for being here. Thank you, Tim. We're excited to be part of this and look forward to the discussion. And we also have Rick Varnell, Managing Partner. Rick, thanks for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you, Tim. It's our pleasure. And completing our panel today, especially to talk about the corporate real estate implications and opportunities of 5G technology, is someone very familiar to Cornet Global and the world of corporate real estate, Lee Utke. Former chair of Cornet Global and for many years led corporate real estate worldwide for Whirlpool Corporation. Today, Lee is principal at Madison Marquette. Thanks so much, Lee, for joining. Always a pleasure to be with you, Tim. Thank you. Okay, let's dive into this topic. So I have a number of questions here, and here's the first one. If you would, uh, gentlemen, please explain what is 5G versus 4G, and what is the timeline to deploy that new platform? You bet, Tim. This is Matt speaking. Um, that's, it's a really good question, right? 4G is what our phones currently operate on in the United States, the majority of our phones. We go through a new generation of wireless about every 10 years. That generation is the G in 4G and 5G. We started deploying 5G about a year and a half to two years ago. Uh, it's about a 10-year duration. We know that because we've developed it as a worldwide standards body, and then that comes into the equipment manufacturing space and later to the carriers and then eventually to us as consumers. Uh, 5G is the next generation. With each generation, obviously, we get faster. Um, but we also get a whole new slew of capabilities. If you look at 4G, we really got a, a, a powerful, meaningful tool set in the form of video communications. We were downloading videos. We were downloading movies. We were doing things like uh, live video chat via phone call with applications like FaceTime, uh, Zoom, et cetera, from our phones. With 5G, we similarly get new capabilities. And what's really exciting about 5G is how many new capabilities came with, came with this new technology. So it solves for a whole different set of things than what we've been able to solve for in the past. Um, 5G has speed that is somewhere around between one gig and 10 gig per, per device. That may not mean a lot, just so if you don't know what that terminology means, but to the average person in the United States, they're connecting between uh, 30 meg and, one, and 100 meg. So at a minimum, there are 10 uh, to 100 or even 1,000 times faster than what they're used to connecting, whether it is with their cell phone or even at their connected home or at their connected office. So it's super fast. It allows for new capabilities, like being able to have many devices in a small area, which is what fuels things like automation. It gives us geolocation proximity. 
so it allows us to see where things are within three inches or even one inch. Uh, so now we can start using it for inventory management, for safety protocols, et cetera. So 5G is, is, a new, is building on top of 4G, giving us efficiencies, but giving us new capability. Okay, fantastic. I'm really impressed with the speed figures you just gave. But here's my follow-up question. Does the introduction of 5G make 4G obsolete, or will 4G continue to be in existence? So with every generation of wireless uh, so far, we've kept the previous generation around. So when we introduced 4G, we kept 3G around for up to 10 years or sometimes even longer in specific cases. We continue to expect that 5G will be deployed on top of 4G and many of the same sites, if not all of the same sites for certain applications. Uh, one, some devices like your phone and my phone today only connect at 4G. So until we can switch over to a 5G device, we need to have those 4G solutions still out there. Uh, and that's usually about a 10 year life cycle on average. Okay. Now my next question is this one. What are some examples of how corporate real estate managers may be able to leverage 5G to enhance their portfolio's performance? The way 5G can be leveraged by corporate real estate is really unique. With 4G, we're really focused on mobile networks and mobile communications. With 5G, we're really focused, we're focused on that, but we're focused on many other things, like how to build building automation how to connect to many devices in a building. If you look at uh, today's corporate environment or even in the residential environment, uh, tenants and users are, are, now have smart TVs, they have smart refrigerators and appliance, appliances. Building owners are able to use 5G uh, applications instead of having to run ethernet or fiber throughout their building. So it allows them to reconfigure their property on a, on a just-in-time basis. And so it creates all these amazing benefits of connectivity, both indoor and outdoor, where before we would have had challenges with that. And you know these challenges, right? If you and I were sitting in a stadium or in a cafeteria of a building with 4G, at times we didn't struggle when we got more than five or six devices in a six-foot area. With 5G, we can put up to a thousand devices in a six-foot area. So now it starts to become very meaningful for connecting those TVs, those smart appliances, that, that the automatic, automatic and robotic vacuums. We can use it for bathroom management. For example, we can uh, have a 10 cent sensor, a $1 sensor, identify is there a paper on the floor in a bathroom or is the paper level and the paper towels running low and do we need to go ahead and resupply? And we can do that wirelessly now. We're not running cables. We're not worried about something that's going to get disconnected or uh, uh, you're having a high intense wired environment. We can do this now wirelessly and we can use it to cause real time information feedback to change how we interact with not only our building, but the technology around it and our behaviors that go with that. Okay, fantastic. Here's my next question How do carriers? identify and select locations to install their equipment? Well, you bet. So carriers want to be where they're, they're going to be of use, right? So they've spent a lot of money investing in their capital, their people, and their processes, and, the, and their technology. They want to make sure they're putting it uh, to use as effectively as possible. 
one of the things they primarily look for is where do they have a density of people? Another thing that they look for is where do they have corridors of people where, where people commonly go throughout a day or transit across throughout a day. And then with now with 5G, we look for where would there be intense uses or applications in the real estate environment? So if I have a factory and the factory is subscribing to 5G service and they're using that to uh, use do inventory control, to do picking of objects, to do audits and audit management, to do uh, spill control, to make sure their doors are ajar, et cetera, where you've got a high intense user, that's where the carriers are gonna look to install their equipment. Primarily in the past, we've installed 4G equipment on towers and a little bit on rooftops and then a little bit on street furniture. With 5G, we really go a lot further uh, on, the, on the quantity as well as the number of locations, almost exponential. Somewhere between 150,000, 175,000 sites today to about 800,000 sites by 2025. That, that equipment is moving more and more indoors for what we would call um, our enterprise users, our warehouse management, our log logistics management, as well as in the space of autonomous vehicles. So it's changed where we've been putting that equipment. We're now moving from a pretty much a, a, a significant outdoor environment to an outdoor and an indoor environment based on these new applications and capabilities. Exactly, okay. Now, will multiple carriers install equipment on the same building? Absolutely. Not all carriers are alike, and they're not offering the same products and services. So if one carrier has identified a location, they, they've identified it for a specific purpose, whether it was frequency of traffic or the use of building automation inside that property. So when one carrier adopts a site, you're likely to get a second, a third, and maybe even a fourth carrier uh, because they're all driving towards the same needs. That being the case, there's a lot of variability as well. The um, one carrier may be offering a certain product set with 5G, uh, like fixed 5G wireless, where they're connecting to a building wirelessly in a way that we hadn't really done in the past. And we're using that to serve the building in, in absence of fiber or ethernet or as redundant to fiber and ethernet. So yes, we've always seen, we, we know that there is a continual behavior to co-locate equipment at the same location. And yes, we know that there is going to be some separation because the carriers are really starting to diversify their product set and what they're offering. And that has different technology requirements and that thus different location requirements. Okay, great. Now, what impacts will a building owner incur if they were to allow carriers to install equipment on their buildings? Jason Lynn, I can address that question. The main uh, question that we get in regards to this is, uh, where is the equipment gonna go? Is it going to damage our roof? How is the equipment gonna be accessed? What kind of access will they have? And then the final question that we usually get is, when it comes to the architecture of it, will it blend in or is it going to be something that stands out uh, and is a problem or is an eyesore? And with 5G, all of that uh, is addressed. So uh, in regards to the roof penetrations, uh, it is designed for the equipment to go on sleds and to avoid that and therefore not have some of the issues that we had in the past. Uh, in regards to roof maintenance, the equipment can be removed and the roof can be repaired. 
And then in regards to what it looks like from an architect standpoint, architectural standpoint, they are doing a wonderful job of blending the equipment into existing infrastructure. We've seen them uh, actually put on signage. Uh, we've seen them put on the sides of buildings and blend it in. And most importantly, they will raise uh, rooftop parapets and disguise it that way. And then finally, from a access standpoint, uh, they uh, are only generally need to be accessed in certain events, and those events uh, can be registered and determined with the uh, building operators. Therefore, it makes it much easier than what we were dealing with in the past in regards to uh, some of the 4G technology. And one of the most important things that, that we like to let uh, building owners uh, or operators know is that uh, it's important to have a company that you're dealing with that can help with all of that and coordinate it. We like to say it's the one neck to choke. Okay. Okay. Now, if you would, uh, please describe the financial opportunity for corporations if they allow carriers to utilize their buildings for the installation of this kind of equipment. You bet. So if I'm a corporation or a property owner, I know that I have a embedded technology and telecom cost in my building. I have either fiber or in, I have internet of some form. I have voice services and I have video services. Um, I, so I have an embedded cost. The first thing is if a carrier decides to come onto your property, they typically pay you a right to use your property and put their antennas on because they're usually not just serving your property, they're serving the surrounding community and creating benefit that way. Uh, so there is a revenue uh, component that, that comes in the form of a lease to the building owner. And then there's a cost savings of if I have 5G on my property uh, where I had internet needs, I can now serve those potentially through 5G and there's ways to put equipment in that just extends that 5G. Uh, so no longer, I may no longer have to buy the same type of internet in the same way. I no longer have the same cable costs, uh, physical cable or physical fiber costs. Uh, it allows me flexibility. Now, if I want to do real-time changes in my uh, configuration of my property, it allows me if I have a new person or a new area of my property that someone wants to start in tomorrow, typically we had to wait to turn up internet to that property. Now with 5G, there's ways that we can automatically turn somebody up in that property within minutes or hours uh, and get that use that space usable and reconfigured very quickly. We have a revenue component, we have a cost component, we also have an amenity benefit then of the capabilities and features that it provides. Okay. Now, what about the the normal term or the typical term uh, that carriers are seeking in order to install that equipment and get and get those benefits? Carriers typically look for about three to five years um, if they're placing their equipment and putting their capital outlay. Their initial term is typically three to five years, but truly the, the traffic patterns really don't change in real estate that often. And the carriers had to put a whole lot of capital associated to that property, but maybe not on that property into that project. So when they're asking for three to five years, they typically have renewed terms that go from 25 to even 30 years on average. And the reason why is the traffic patterns are there. We continue to build the technology off of the previous technology. And so the uses seem to continue or get or accelerate. And once you kind of identify that this location was necessary to put equipment on, 
those uses that we have as consumers drive further technology needs and continue that life cycle. So although the term is typically five years, we're, we're truth be told, we on average expect something to be there between 25 and 30 years once the initial project has been implemented. Exactly, okay. Now here's a question, is 5G safe for corporate building owners and for their employees? Any, any safety concerns? Now, that's a really good question. It's something we, we're concerned of as individuals, as corporate citizens, and just as part of the community. And you know what? A lot of people have been concerned about that. And so if you look at 5G, it, it has a $13 trillion or greater GDP impact and a, a global impact, global economic impact. It's a significant component. When we're going to go and deploy something that has that big of an impact, and it's a new technology, there's a lot of rigor and a lot of due diligence that happens now. We've gotten very sophisticated with that rigor and that due diligence. We have multiple science boards. We have the FCC that it has, is kind of a parent that looks over uh, what is the safety, what are the ways that we keep things safe, not only with wireless, but with all technologies. And, you know, with 5G, there's a couple easy ways to explain the science behind it. There's many, many articles written to help understand this and digest it. But two of the anecdotes I, I like the, the best and they're, they're scientific measures is, you know, as we move from 5G, as we move from 4G to 5G, we move further in what we call the safer part of, of, of the spectrum. And when we look at what 5G is, 5G is actually now considered safer than visible light. That, that's pretty darn safe, right? You and I see visible light every day and that's what our eyes focus and see. So it, it's in the safe area of the spectrum now. Another good example is uh, 5G is safer than um, a hair dryer uh, to put that in perspective as well. So I'm trying to put it into common scenarios or language that we use. But as we've gone, and as we continue to go further and further down that spectrum line, and we go into things like 6G, we'll continue. We expect to continue to see that progression of either moving into uh, beyond the places where it's safe, but now it's, it practically has you know no effect even to other things, the environment, et cetera. Uh, yeah, and we're really pleased about that. This is a common question that happens when every 10 years when we roll out a new generation of technology, everyone says, hey, I forgot about this question or we've just kind of accepted it. Something's changed, so let's readdress that. We've spent all those, uh, we've gone through those processes. We've spent the dollars as a community and as an economy and as a country to make sure that this is safe. And so we have all the, the materials and science now to read and understand in the test to tell us that, yes, it is what we thought it was. It's just like the previous generation, we've moved even further into the safe part of the spectrum and it's negligible or not even a discussion point anymore. It is something we discuss to make sure we socialize, but on the science of it, it's not a scientific discussion anymore. That's good to hear, okay. Now, what about, what about cybersecurity? Does the installation of 5G equipment on a building create any cybersecurity issues? Great, thanks, Tim, and that's a great question. Um, much like anything that is IT connecting to OT systems, we need to be mindful of you know, that connection point. Uh, I think, I, I feel confident that the 5G industry is giving a great effort, uh, including things where they're insisting on uh, products being built in America to, to ensure that we don't have as many issues. But we, what we really need to watch out for 
are and to monitor are really all of the operating technology sensors that 5G is tied to. Uh, and when I'm saying cyber to the OT, I'm referring to cyber issues that can actually cause physical harm. Okay, and uh, there really is no doubt that cyber to the OT uh, uh, is going to impact uh, essentially every form of technology uh, deployments moving forward. Uh, but uh, 5G itself, I think, is uh, is being very mindful of how to deal with it. Great. Okay. Now, my next question. If a company wanted to have their sites considered for installation of 5G equipment, what information and what process should they follow? And what's the typical timing for carriers to select a site and then to implement and install their equipment? Oh, that, another excellent question, right? Um, so, Matt Davis here, I'm part of the company 5G LLC. Our, our focus is to work with real estate and technology to bring those things together. This question it hits right to the core of our process every single day of how we try how we work to bring those two things together. Uh, if I'm a property owner, I need to understand: is, do I am I seeking revenue? Am I seeking cost savings? Or am I seeking amenity benefits? And if any of those are true, then I really want to encourage the carriers to adopt one of my locations uh, with their equipment. I want to encourage them to spend their capital to a building owner uh, for a carrier to put 5G on their site. You, know, it, you, there, you have to attract the carrier. So the first thing that you want to do is get your address list together. You want to go out and research who are the different uh, relationship channels that can get you into the carriers and how are they differentiating? Um, how are they getting the carrier's attention to get your locations picked? Over the next few years, we go through the process of adoption of 5G. In, in the first two years of 5G, what we saw is we put 5G equipment where 4G already was because there was already fiber there, there was already power there, there was already infrastructure there. In the next few years, we go into what we call expansion sites or co-location sites. And we start to deploy 5G equipment at all new locations where we didn't previously have them. And so you really wanna make sure you're in position now. Uh, that, that's about a three, it's about a three to five year life cycle where the carriers go and identify what locations they want you need to get your address information ready, and then you need to work with a partner that's going to go help secure additional data sets. Like, do I have uh, do I have power available to, um, at or near where the carrier might want to put equipment? What's the height of my property? Um, do I have fiber at the location, et cetera? So there's many different things that I need to get into the carrier's hands. Well, the carriers typically call your take your call as an individual uh, real estate owner. Not really. That's, we don't see that as a very common occurrence. That's just not the way that they procure real estate. Uh, they look for where they have holes in their network and they look to solve for those holes. Uh, so identifying where those holes are, identifying where your site is associated to that, that takes a skilled uh, professional and someone from the industry to help uh, that communication process. Great. Okay. And now my last question is this one. Are there any other opportunities or concerns corporations should consider when deciding how and when they may want to leverage 5G? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah, the, the main concern we have with 5G is you want to encourage the carriers to bring 5G to your property as quickly as possible. You, you and I know that we all have different cell phone devices. We all have different phones, laptops. 
uh, tablets, et cetera. And we all subscribe to different wireless mobile plans. Uh, we all use Wi-Fi and we use Wi-Fi differently as well. Uh, so the first thing you wanna do is try and encourage as much infrastructure capital spend as possible on your property to enable the people that are working at your property, but also now with 5G, the equipment, whether it's through autonomous trucks, autonomous cars, uh, self-driving vehicles, or if it's uh, for forklifts that are automated or for drone and picking equipment and audits. So the main thing is you want to you want to get upfront in the process to encourage that spend because once the carriers have identified their locations, they really then just fortify the capital and reinforce infrastructure more often uh, in the second half of, of the ten-year rollout. So so that's that's the concern, but that's also the opportunity. Once you've got carrier equipment there, uh, now you've got the ability to see how is it working. What are my needs for my property? There's over 50 major business cases for how I would implement 5G from an from a enterprise perspective, how I, would, how I would use 5G from everything from smart parking to smart lighting to door alarms to security to HVAC monitoring to early fault detection of equipment to refrigeration units, you, you name it, right? There's 50 major categories plus. And the more I can get that infrastructure there now, and uh, especially if it's on somebody else's capital, the more likely I'm going to be able to use that capability um, for the applications that I'd like as a property owner and as a tenant. Wow, this really has tremendous potential and a wide range of applications. It's, uh, it's great to learn more about this today. Um, any final thoughts from um, any of the group before we before we wrap up? This is fascinating stuff. It really is. Hey Tim, this is Lee. I just want to you know step in just for a second, and you know, as having been a long corporate real estate uh, provider within my company, that it really the five G area and the implementation and the leveraging of this new technology has some really interesting opportunities for corporate real estate executives. It gives you better flexibility. You get timeliness that Matt talked about. It, uh, it gives you the ability to have uh, greater connectivity with your employees. All the things that we talked about being a smart building now can really be a smart building. And so with that, with all those IOT um, devices being placed the ability for corporate real estate people to re to act quickly, decisively, cost effectively, those are all key opportunities that we've talked about for years, but we never really had the technology to deliver. So this really brings it together. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have antennas uh, in your building, it's a significant cost opportunity. And all of us remember and in the corporate real estate world, uh, the CFOs who I like, I used to report to, um, they were always interested in cost containment. And there's only so many levers that you can pull. This has an opportunity to provide, give you not only the operational opportunities, but gives you a financial one to control your costs going forward. So it really is a mixture of the two uh, together to create a solution that is far more effective than what we've had in the past. That's part of the reason I got involved with and support this group because I saw the ability to tell that story to my former colleagues and let them decide. And those who have heard about it become very excited about the opportunity. 
Exactly. This has great opportunity for sure. Well, um, Jason, Matt, Jason, uh, Rick, and Lee, it's been great talking with you and learning more about 5G and these uh, opportunities for corporate real estate. Thanks again so much for sharing these insights with Cornet Global. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.